Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel has been published in the past in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundland. And he's served as an analyst for Fox, Connecticut, NBC 30, and WTNH Channel 8. He's the author of six of his own books, including most famously, the money map. Joel, I have to ask you about this because this has been in the news. So McDonald's is testing in 28 restaurants, and I don't know where those 28 restaurants are. I'm not sure if there's one in the Northeast or not. Uh, but I, can guess where they're, I can guess where they're not, by the way. <laughs> right. Uh, but they're Texas, testing, Nebraska. They're testing this plant-based burger. They're partnering with the company Beyond Meat to test this plant-based burger in 28 different restaurants. So my question to you is, are you ready to go invest in shares of Beyond Meat? Personally, no. Um, No, I'm not ready to go invest in shares of Beyond Meat. Um, Even though it might be a good investment long-term, I've just, you know, personally, Wendy and I are to the point where we just want to build nice portfolios that expose us to the market where we get a reasonable rate of return. Um, We're not trying to get rich by investing in the market. We're trying to keep from being poor. So we typically don't get involved in brand new public offerings. There are some big blue chip stocks that we own that we haven't sold. But our new money is pretty much going into well-diversified, very well-diversified portfolios. So I probably wouldn't grab the Beyond Meat story. I bet you my son Noah, who's 19, who is convinced that he can beat the market, uh, we'll invest in that, and we'll just sit back patiently and wait till he probably learns his lesson. <laughs> Most people, as we know, can't beat the market. So I tend to not, and even our clients, tend to not get involved in brand new stocks or fads. Sometimes people, you know, years back, people invested in Facebook that were clients of ours and so on. But we always make sure that their core money, that nest egg money they need to generate a retirement income is set aside. And then as long as they have extra money that's not needed to generate that income for life, um, then obviously they can invest in some of these stocks that they're excited about. You know, in the Boston area here, we obviously have a lot of technology companies, a lot of new and emerging biotech firms and and companies and so on. A lot of times people want to get exposed to that through an investment, but they should not invest their lifetime money, that security money in those things. That should be extra money where if you hit the home run, it's going to be great. But if you strike out, it's not going to affect your long-term retirement. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, which is you and Wendy aren't so worried about making yourselves rich. You just don't want to be poor. And that that's a, a curious statement to me because I'm pretty familiar with you as a businessman and how well you've run the business over the years. And I have a pretty good inclination that it's not likely that you'll ever end up poor. But I have a feeling that a lot of your clients are exactly the same way, right? Like financially, they're fine. They've done a great job of building wealth. But nobody feels rich. The goal is, I just want to know I'm going to be okay. Yeah, and nobody wants to, you know, I think the more successful somebody is in savings, the more they look back on life and they realize those times where the markets went down or had an investment went down, it just felt horrible. And I don't want to feel like that. And so most people would rather give up a little bit of upside potential. They don't want to hit the home run. They're fine with a reasonable rate of return, but they don't want that feeling when they see an investment they made go down 40% or 50% or 
you know, the market goes down 30 or 40% and they, they absorb most of those losses. So we just don't want that anymore. I just don't want to feel that way. I mean, could, could we afford it? Sure, we could afford it. We could put a big chunk of money in Beyond Meat or some stock like that and lose 50%. But I don't want to feel like that and I don't think it's worth it. And, you know, the game is saving the money in the first place. And if you've been a good saver, what you need is a retirement income plan to make sure you're going to be okay and get the income you need to last for the rest of your life. But then you just don't want to go through through the emotional roller coaster of going backwards and having that regret. Oh, well, I just wish I would have sold, you know, on April of last year and so on and so forth and all those thoughts that go through our minds. So good savers need to make sure they have a good investment plan, something that can carry them throughout the rest of their lives. But don't hit the home run or don't try to hit the home run at the expense of your retirement security. All right, Joel, I wanted to ask you about a particular topic. And we're talking about mistakes that we see people make with their life insurance. And while some of these specific mistakes might speak directly to an individual who can avoid making that specific mistake. The bigger lesson that we want to take from this discussion, I think, is how much attention to detail there needs to be in your financial plan overall. Because we're talking about a very specific element of life insurance, which is itself a specific element of your overall financial plan. So again, while some people may benefit from these individual conversations, the broader lesson is attention to detail over the course of your entire plan. So obviously, Joel, it's always bad when somebody dies unexpectedly without any life insurance and leaves their family very often in a difficult financial position. But maybe even worse than that is when they think there's life insurance there. They think they have taken care of their family, but then the life insurance doesn't pay out because they made one of these mistakes. Like, for instance you fail to make a couple of premium payments for whatever reason. Maybe you had it on a old credit card or something and you know, you changed cards and you forgot to update it and somehow you didn't get alerted that those premiums weren't getting paid and your policy lapses. Well, right. And this can happen by mistake. It can happen because, oh, I'm not sure I want to pay this premium. I think I'll just wait. And then you get to it and you get to it a little bit too late and the policy has lapsed. And and this is a problem. I mean, th- this is the reason why we do a life insurance audit for clients that come in to see us. Most of the time, somebody that comes in to see us has had their life insurance for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and it needs an audit. We need to find out, number one, what's it worth? Is it worth anything? Number two, do you need to be paying premiums on it? And number three, let's make sure the policy is not going to lapse, whether you miss a payment or whether it was one of those universal life policies where they projected a certain rate of return the markets haven't even delivered that rate of return or bond market hasn't delivered that rate of return. And now the policy is about to lapse and you don't even realize it. So life insurance companies typically offer a grace period, but the grace period does not last forever. And if you go to reinstate a policy, you might have to go through what we call underwriting again. They might have to check your health. And one thing that is almost guaranteed in life, there's few things that are, but one thing that is almost guaranteed is you're not as healthy today as you were 10 years ago not as healthy today as you were, you were 20 years ago. That's that's not true for everybody. Some of us are in much better shape than we were 10 or 15 years ago. But from a life insurance company underwriting standpoint, when they're looking for you know, heart issues, cancer issues, any of those little things, you can be extremely healthy, but have a little bit of a health history there that makes life insurance companies not want to reinstate your policy. So don't drop any policies until you talk to an expert in life insurance 
and let them analyze your situation. Sometimes you shouldn't drop the policy. Sometimes you shouldn't. You can use the money uh, better somewhere else. Is that true for you, by the way? Are you indeed healthier now than you were 15 years ago? I am definitely healthier than I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Let's see, I was 42. I'm a lot physically stronger than I was and probably more flexible. Um, you know, my heart's 15 years older. My, 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 let's put it this way. My joints, <laughs> my jo- I can't jump down the stairs like I used to in the morning. Um, but I think I'm a lot stronger and my posture's better and my flexibility is better and I'm probably mentally sharper. Why? Because I go to see the trainer four times a week and he beats the daylights out of me. That'll do it. There you go. All right. So we're talking about life insurance mistakes, things that go wrong that keep people or maybe keep your loved ones from collecting that death benefit on the life insurance. Uh, not naming a contingent beneficiary sometimes is a problem, Jill. Yeah, it is. And we've seen this. So if you have a typically a life insurance policy, if you're married, we'll say my spouse gets everything when I die. But if the spouse predeceases you and you forget to change your beneficiary, or if you both pass away at the same time and there's no contingent beneficiary, then it's going to go by what your will says. And one of the wonderful things about life insurance is it bypasses probate. So why throw a bunch of money through life insurance proceeds into probate when they don't have to be thrown into probate. Those dollars can go direct to a beneficiary. So name a contingent beneficiary. Um, The other thing a contingent beneficiary um, gives your main beneficiary the ability to do is disclaim. So what that simply means is if I have Wendy as my main beneficiary and then the boys are contingent beneficiaries and I die and she decides, well, I don't want the money right now. I want it to go directly to the boys. She can just disclaim her right to the policy and it passes to the boys. If that isn't there, and she tries to disclaim, then again, it goes through probate. It gets paid out to my estate. So it's important you check your beneficiaries. Again, this is one of the things we do when people come in that we're meeting for the first time is we try to do that life insurance audit, and we want to make sure that their beneficiaries are up to date. I just talked with somebody this week. Uh, Her husband had died 15 years ago in his mid-40s from a heart attack, and his mother, her mother-in-law, died four months later. Well, her husband had been the executor of his mom's will and the beneficiary of all her stuff. And his mom, in the four months that she lived after her son died, never got around to changing all that. And it just made a huge mess of the estate because the beneficiary of her assets was deceased. So it got really complex and complicated and messy really quick. Well, here I can give you another messy situation, John. So how about this scenario? So husband passes away, spouse goes to do the death claim and finds out the husband had never changed the beneficiary to his current wife from his former wife. Uh, that doesn't Ooh. exactly uh, cre- create you know, wonderful feelings amongst family <laughs> gatherings and so on. Well, and that probably seems like a situation where a person with common sense would look at that and say, okay, well, you, c- you can fight that in court. It would be obvious that he didn't mean to leave the life insurance money to the ex-wife. But that's not how life works, right? No, and, and that's a contract. Life insurance is a contract. So, uh, And obviously that, that situation, I, I've, I've not seen that situation happen, but it, I guarantee it has. I, I almost guarantee that has happened at some point in time. Um, and also company-owned life insurance. You need to be careful that company-owned life insurance is set up the way you want it, and you change it from time to time as your needs change. All right, last life insurance mistake that we'll touch on here is – you need to be careful about your hobbies and extracurricular activities. So, Joel, when you're skydiving, 
if you haven't told the life insurance company that you do that and you die while skydiving, we might have a problem. You might have a problem. And so there's, there's a couple things here. One is, you know, if you have a high-risk occupation and you are applying for life insurance, or, I shouldn't say occupation, hobby, um, and you apply for life insurance, you need to let the insurance company know. Because if you die within what's called the contestability period, which for many states is two years, and you die doing that hobby, let's say it's rock climbing, they will not pay a claim. Um, they're not supposed to pay a claim. Uh, they shouldn't pay a claim if you didn't disclose that on a life insurance application. The other thing is if you're thinking about taking up a hobby like skydiving or auto racing or uh, scuba diving to various depths, things like that, then get a whole bunch of life insurance before you take up the hobby. Uh, because again, these are things that are considered risky to an insurance company and you should pay a little bit of a higher premium because there are other policyholders in the group with that insurance company that aren't doing those risky things. So you're going to pay a little bit more. And so again, think about these things. Get a lot of coverage if you're going about to undertake a hobby you know, that is more dangerous. And you can call a good life insurance agent and they'll just tell you if life insurance companies like that particular hobby or not. And then always disclose, always disclose, always be forthright with an insurance company. The worst thing you can do is you think you're protecting your family and you're not. And it was only because you failed to disclose something. All right. So like I said, this is not necessarily specific things that are going to affect most people. Most people aren't skydiving, Joel. But the point is, there are so many things in your financial plan that need to have the check boxes checked off and everything needs to be ordered properly. And a lot of people just don't have that level of organization and attention to detail in their plan. Well, and this is why we do the money map for folks when they come in, especially that first time. We want to spend a lot of time and get that money map very, very precise, as absolutely precise and detailed as we can get it because we want the life insurance on that map. So we remember as we have our annual conversations and reviews to discuss that life insurance. We want disability policies on there. We want a various properties that they might have that they don't even use. Maybe it's a piece of land up in Vermont or something. We want to get all of that on there because we as financial planners that are acting as fiduciaries, even though we don't control those other investments or those policies, we want to make sure that we're aware of them so that we work that into an entire financial plan. So if you haven't had a life insurance audit lately, or maybe you're not even interested in the life insurance, but you know your financial plan needs to be audited, maybe you don't even have a financial plan, give us a call. Come on in for a visit. It's absolutely free. I know we're going to add value to you. If all you do is leave with your own personalized money map and we never talk to you again, we will have added value to you. So come on in and get your money map. Obviously, some people become clients, but that's way down the road. That may or may not be you. We want to help everyone that wants our help. So get your money map. You'll love it. It's a great meeting we have. It's just a quick discovery meeting. We get to know each other a little bit. We prepare the map for you, and then we present it to you so you can leave having greater confidence in your future when it comes to finances. So 1-800-705-1232. That's the number to call. 1-800-705-1232. You can call or text that number, and we will set up a time for you to come in, visit, and get your personalized money map. 800-705-1232. You can call or text that number, whichever is easiest for you. If you're texting, just be sure to include your first and last name. 800 705 one, two, three, two. When you come in for your money map retirement review, you'll get a copy of one of Joel's books to take with you. One more time, 800-705-1232.
You're listening to Jill Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, I'm curious. I always like to get to know you and let everybody get to know you a little bit on this show. Uh, what is the hardest job you've ever had in your life? Physically, the hardest job I have ever had was at this warehouse on Locust Street in Hartford. Some of you know where I'm talking about. It's UPS. Uh, I worked at UPS when we were first married. I would go in at 3.30 or 4 in the morning and unload the trucks as they came in in the middle of the night. And so you were in a truck with your work boots on, bent over, pulling boxes off the ground or off the pile, off the stack, putting them on this conveyor belt rolly thing that rolls down the middle of the truck, and you're doing that for four hours straight. And it was brutal, and I have nothing but respect for guys that work for UPS and um, it was just a really, really tough job. Uh, and actually, I was doing that in the middle of the night, and then I was delivering pizzas uh, in the in the late evening. So when Wendy and I, um, you know, first got married, we didn't have a lot. We worked really hard. I remember sitting on the stoop of our condo we had bought in South Windsor, Connecticut, and trying to figure out at the end of the week if we had enough money saved to buy a pizza from a little place called Five Corners Pizza. And uh, yeah, working at UPS, that was a tough job. By the way, my kids... When they were growing up, they used to come here and work at my company, Johnson Brunetti, and uh, and they were jokingly referring to it. I know they weren't serious, but they were jokingly referring to it around the house as the sweatshop, this beautiful <laughs> Class A office space that's air conditioned and everything. And Wendy and I started talking. We said, you know what? We should make those kids go get a real job. So we made them go work, and I'm not sure if two or three of my boys did this, at Tolland Pizza washing dishes. Yep. And uh, I never heard our office called a sweatshop. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's really good for people to work these hard jobs because, um, you know, certainly Wendy and I and our family and a lot of our clients have come a long way from those early years where they work these really tough jobs. It's interesting because when I look back at, UP, at my UPS days now and, and look at how that company was run, how this, how that warehouse was run, it was genius the way they had it organized and the, the flow of the packages and how – you know, we would do the unload and the package, uh, the guys that ran the package cars would, would uh, you know, go out and do their deliveries and they'd come back at the end of the day and then there was a systematic way of sending packages around. And, and uh, you know, the other thing, and I don't know if it's still this way, but UPS drivers, at least when I was there, they explained to us how they don't spend a night uh, away from their homes. They drive like they might drive, I don't know, 300 miles. And if you're a UPS driver, call me and explain this uh, if this is right. But the guys in the big trucks, they'll drive 300 miles. And they'll switch the trailers with another UPS driver and then head back home. And, uh, again, I don't know if that's the case, but I just learned a lot working from, for, uh, for UPS there about how a, how a big company is run and processes and procedures they have in place. And just think what it's like now with all the volume they're doing for Amazon. Oh, no kidding. What a logistical marvel. All right, let's answer some questions from the mailbag, Joel. Uh, we're going to start today with Jack, who says, My pension doesn't provide an inflation raise each year, so I'll still be getting the same amount at age 85 that I'll have at 65. Should I even bother taking the spousal continuation option for my wife to keep getting the monthly payment if she outlives me? Well, so there's a few things here. One is, Jack, you don't want to make this decision in a financial vacuum. You should be making this pension decision as part of an overall financial plan because I don't know what else you have. It's almost impossible for me to tell you whether you should take the single life option on your pension or uh, a slightly reduced amount from that 
And then, of course, we know that if you take a slightly reduced amount, then if you pass away before your wife, she will continue to get some monthly payments. So I don't know how to answer this question. I will tell you this. Number one, you need a full financial plan to make this decision. Number two, sometimes if you calculate that difference between you taking the full payment and your wife uh, getting a survivorship benefit, maybe that's a $200 a month uh, reduction that you would have. You want to find out, hey, what if I just took the full payment and took that extra $200 that I would have given up to protect my wife and bought life insurance with that $200, would I come out ahead? Because then if your spouse passes away before you do, you can cancel the life insurance and have a $200 a month raise for the rest of your life. Um, so I know I went through that a little quick, but the bottom line is you've got to look at all your pension options in the form uh, or in the context of a full financial plan. And that's why when we do that money map for you, Jack, you come in and get that money map, it'll be personalized and customized and we'll give you our opinion as certified financial planners of how you should take that pension option. All right. How about Tess, who says, my husband is 11 years older than me and I probably have better genes than he does too. So it seems likely that I'll be a widow for a significant portion of my retirement years. What sort of financial planning challenges does this create for me? Well, first of all, you'll lose one social security check. So you'll basically have a reduction in income tests if you're, when your husband dies first. And so if you're both getting social security, you'll lose the smaller of the two checks. At the same time, you'll immediately go into a higher tax bracket. So you'll have a reduction of income and a increase in taxes because now you're going to file as a single person, not married filing jointly. The other thing is, is women statistically just live longer than men. So their situation, your situation, Tess, is unique as a woman, very different than it is for a male. You're going to live longer, which means you've got a bigger inflation risk. The cost of living is going to go up and you're going to feel it more because of that longevity that you have. So from a financial planning challenge standpoint, we've got to keep your income up there. You have to have an account to replace that income you lose when your husband dies first. You've got to have uh, a way to give yourself raises throughout retirement. And then obviously you need a good estate plan if you have extra money left over. So a few little challenges there. And the main reason for those challenges is, again, females tend to live longer than males, and we need to make sure that we've got our bases covered there. And again, that money map financial plan we do for you, just give us a call and we can produce that for you and you'll get a lot of clarity on these issues. So Joel, what does that look like when somebody comes in for their money map retirement review? Let's peel back the curtain a little bit. So typically what happens is when somebody calls in to the 1-800-705-1232 number and requests a visit, uh, we set up a time for them. Many times we're not available right on that day. So when you call in, remember there's a lot of other people calling in at the same time, so we might have to get back to you. Some of, some of you were able to answer the phone right away. And we set up a time. We set up a time for you to come in within the next week or two. And that's all you have to do. Just set up the appointment and come on in. There's no preparation needed on your part. We send you a little confirmation letter that suggests you bring a few things, but you don't have to. We just want you to come in and have a conversation. It's absolutely free. There's no obligation. During that first visit, we'll get to know you and you'll get to know us. And what we want to come out of that first visit with is enough information for us to build your money map. When we get back together or when we deliver that money map to you, You'll have the money map, you'll have an income analysis to make sure you're not going to outlive your money, and you'll have a risk profile of how you're investing right now and what kind of risk you're taking. And then we talk you through that, and at that point, you can be the judge whether you want us to help you 
or not. Again, there's no obligation here. We want to get this money map process, this unique process we have out there to as many of you as possible. So that's how it goes. It's nice and simple. Uh, we've all got really nice people working for us and we have lots of coffee at the office. So come on in, visit with us, but you'll leave with a ton of value. So just call the number one 800 7051232 set up a time i've got 8 books i've written actually 7 that i've written one that my partner eric hogarth has written on everything from pensions to early layoffs to 401k's to our book actually called the money map so you'll be able to pick up one of those when you come on in and visit 800-705-1232 is that number to call or text 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your Money Map Retirement Review. And as Joel said, you'll leave with a copy of one of his books. Call or text right now while it's on your mind. You don't have to know your schedule right now. We'll work out the details later. Just call and let us know that you'd like that help. 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. This has been Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk with you again next week right here, same time, same place. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program.